join me in a word of prayer as we continue our service. Father in heaven, we ask for your help as we communicate. You are the best communicator in the universe. We ask that you would be speaking today, that it wouldn't just be my words, but people would be hearing you, that people would be hearing from you as we get into the scriptures, and that people would understand and appreciate and want to apply you more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you who have your Bible with you, I encourage you to join me, Genesis chapter 3, reading a very old but uh, meaningful scripture. And if you don't have your scriptures, if you want to use your smartphones, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Genesis 3, 1 through 6, some very familiar verses here. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the tree, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you'll actually be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit, and she ate. And uh, later, of course, when she bumped into her husband, she gave to her husband as well, and he ate. Adam and Eve did something so strange, so odd, that it sounds like it comes from a low-budget Hollywood movie. Intelligent, capable human beings looking to a tree for answers instead of going to God. That is strange. It's awkward. It's weird. If it came out in some Hollywood movie, we'd laugh and think, oh, that's not going to do so well at the box office. Who gets answers from a tree? They tried, and life has been a mess ever since. It's recorded in the Scriptures for many reasons, one of which is a haunting reminder to human beings that when we look to something else, when we look to anything else for answers in life other than God, it makes our relationships fall apart. And it would be, in a way, nice if I could say, well, Adam and Eve were the only ones foolish enough to look to trees for answers, but that's not the case. When I've lived in previous districts, I, know, I knew a young woman, I still know her, and uh, she actually looked to trees for answers. She hugged them, she kissed them, she said that she loved them. And no, if you're listening at home and you're wondering, I wonder if she's a little mentally unstable or handicapped, she wasn't. 
She had a good IQ. People thought she was attractive. She was funny. She was smart. She was a good daughter, a good sister. She was creative. She could write really well. She was artistic. People thought she was a good American. But she hugged trees, and she liked trees. She was a life of the party. Guys liked to date her. Girls liked to date her. She was fun. She was outgoing sometimes. But in those rare moments when people have where she was honest and vulnerable. She wasn't having a party on the inside of her mind. She was sad. She was depressed. She didn't have answers. The tree she hugged didn't give her answers. She wasn't getting answers from anywhere in life. And life was getting more dark, more complex, more sad, more broken. It wasn't helping her. Years later, she ended up becoming a Christian And now she's a walking poster for what it's like when people look to Jesus for the answers. She literally goes around to different countries sharing her story of what she was before and what she's like now. It's mind-blowing just looking at the pictures of her and, and, and hearing her story, how different it is between not being a Christian and being a Christian looking to other things, trees and other things, versus looking to Jesus. And there's lots of ways, so lots of creative ways that the human mind can look to something other than Jesus and make it sound like a good thing. Being raised in Montana, most of my life was in western Montana, <coughs> and um, <clears throat> there's one, you, you'll notice many things if you ever go there, And then in western Montana, there's trees everywhere. They got lots of mountains, but some of the mountains, you can't even see them because every inch, every inch is covered with pine trees. I mean, everywhere. And every year, over a million acres of pine trees and other trees burn down in wild forest fires. Sometimes people throwing their cigarettes out and being carelessly, but many times just lightning striking and burning up over a million acres of pine trees. But there's still trees everywhere. <clears throat> but people, whether it's in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, there's trees everywhere. And they put so much time and so much effort and so much money, so much attention into, into saving trees so a few owls have a place to live. And I wonder, you know, I wonder if humanity put that much time and attention into the tree that held Jesus when he died for our sins. Imagine how much different life would be Up in the Northwest, they try so hard to protect trees, but that's where most, uh, as far as population, you have more atheists than agnostics. Imagine if all those people put that time and attention into looking and appreciating at Jesus. It's, it's saddening how human beings are so willing to look at anything for answers other than Jesus. Genesis chapter 22, if you'll join me there for another true Bible story, but sounds so strange, so outlandish. Again, you'd think it was make-believe. Genesis chapter 22. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 22, I'll be jumping in at verse 5, reading to verse 9. 
Abraham said to his, his young men, some of his employees there, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son and took uh, in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham and said, uh, My father? And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, Well, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to a place which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham didn't always do a good job of obeying God. Abraham and his family were imperfect. They were messy. They suffered for it. The people around them suffered for it. I mean, they were jealous. They, had, they played favorites. My daughter and I just talked about that today. Daddy, why did some of his uh, kids play favorites with their own kids? Don't parents love all the kids the same? So, well, even if you're in the Bible, they didn't mean that they were perfect and they were supposed to be growing and they were messy. Sometimes they played favorites and they had adultery and there was jealousy and fear and selfishness and lack of forgiveness and power hungry and all kinds of challenges. And you don't need to be a history scholar to see that for 4,000 years not only has their problems been plaguing the Middle East and the rest of the entire world, it's even challenging America. It has been for some time. When people don't do a good job of hearing and obeying and appreciating what God says, immediately relationships fall apart. It happened then. It happens now. Adam and Eve, they had a problem with God, and immediately, immediately, got, they got into their first fight as a married couple. And this place has been a mess ever since. Cain, their oldest child, Cain had a problem with God. And what did he do? He immediately goes out and he fights with his brother and kills him. This is not new. It's bad, it's wrong, it's terrible, it's tragic, it's offensive, it's horrible. But it's not new. When human beings have a problem with God... They go and treat other people like trash because we can't quite really get at God except that one time when he walked on the earth. And what did we do? Human beings treated him like trash as much as they could, as often as they could. And eventually, finally got him in a corner. They thought they were doing a really good thing, and they spit, and they kicked, and they whipped, and they beat, and they killed him because that's if they could do that more, they would. But he's always in heaven. He just, he's, he's, he's too far to, to get until at one time he walked here, and man, we got him. But since we can't get him that often, when we're unhappy with God, what the typical human beings do, we take it out on each other. We take it out on each other. 
It's not a new cycle. It's been here since the very beginning. <coughs> it's been here since the very beginning. And we do it in big ways, in little ways. We'll fight over land, water, food, dirt, property, sports, dates, a place to sit, politics, age, the color of skin. People will bully each other. They'll pick on someone if they're too tall. They'll pick on someone if they're too short. They'll pick on you if you're big. They'll pick on you if you're too skinny. They'll pick on you if you're strong. They'll pick on you if you're weak. They'll pick on you if you don't get good grades. They'll pick on you if you get good grades. Human beings, when they're not thinking clearly in Jesus, are mean, they're fighting, they're dividing, they're nasty to everybody around them and themselves. Why do you think white Europe has so many different nations? Because they didn't get along even with themselves. Why do you think there's so many Christian denominations? There's one God, one Jesus, one Bible. And yet, those of us sitting here and those who are watching at home, you know you can name the, the people in your life easily come up with five, six, seven different opinions about what happens when somebody dies. One God, one Bible, one Jesus, and yet we'll just start causing divisions on some of the most simple things. There's thousands of different Christian denominations. One God, one Bible, but because we can't get along in Jesus and the Bible, even Christianity has to have lots of different denominations and churches because we can't get along. Look at history. When they started coming out of the dark ages and started <coughs> discovering we're saved by Jesus' kindness and grace alone, they were still fighting. Churches had their own militia, their own military. If they saw people down by the river baptizing by immersion, and if, if their denomination or their church didn't think that was a good thing, oh no, it's just sprinkling only, even though it's not in the Scriptures, but if my opinion is I'm comfortable with sprinkling, and you think you need to do baptism by immersion, they'd get so angry in the name of God, they would, with their militia, they would drown them in the water. They would literally drown them under the water and say, if you believe in baptism by immersion so much, we'll help you. And they drowned them and they killed them, thinking they were doing God a favor. When people aren't thinking clearly in Jesus, they'll fight with each other over anything. Anything. The more confused we get, the more that we think we're doing a good thing in that fight. What we fight over isn't really the main point, though, of course, when you're in it, it hurts. But we'll fight over anything when we're not thinking clearly in Christ. Here again, another story from Montana. I, I heard uh, that, that um, there's this one gentleman, he was sitting at a bar on a stool at the bar, and he said something uh, to a, another gentleman walking by, and the guy walking by didn't like it, and so he turned and pushed him. The guy fell off his stool, hit his head, and died. Just like that. Dead. Over. Just like that. Both white, both from Montana, and I'm sure being born and raised there, 
both of them were probably taught that's what real men do. Men have to fight and be tough. Just make sure you're the tougher one, right? God bless America. I'm real sure the lawyer that pushed him, because the guy that pushed him was a lawyer, lost his license, lost his practice, went to jail. I can bet if he had a chance to do it over again, I bet he could think of a whole lot of other options other than that. I don't even remember what he said, but it was a bad thing. What do people say? You, you win the, the fight, but you lose the battle? Something like that. He didn't come out winning. Whatever the guy said to him wasn't worth it. They both lost. They both lost. One guy died. The other guy lost his job, his income, his life, his family. He just sitting in jail. They both lost. It's 2020. It's June. And there's still people in society today that are doing such an amazing job of ignoring God and wondering why relationships are falling apart. Here's a person. His name is uh, Orville Hobart Maurer. M-O-W-R-E-R. He was an atheist psychologist, professor in fancy places like Saint, like uh, Johns Hopkins University, Harvard, and Yale. At one point, he was a president of the uh, American Psychologist Association. He made his money and his reputation telling people to look for answers anywhere except God in the Bible. And uh, bef uh, before he committed suicide, he wrote... Um, a very honest article, probably the best article he wrote in his life. It was called Sin, the Lesser of Two Evils. Now, I'm going to read you a little something from the article. Keep in mind, he was an atheist professor uh, part of the time, but atheist psychologist, and etc. Uh, here's uh, here, here's um, part of the quotes up on the screen, but I'm going to read the whole quote. For several decades, we psychologists have looked upon the whole matter of sin and moral accountability as a great problem. And we have acclaimed our freedom from it. But at length, we have discovered to be free in the sense of to be free to have the excuse of being sick rather than calling it a sin is to also court the danger of becoming lost. In becoming amoral, ethically neutral and free, we have cut the very roots of our being, our deepest sense of selfhood and identity, asking, who am I? What's my deepest destiny? And what does it really mean to live? It's an honest confession in contrast to what he said to so many people throughout his life. It's a shame he never told the truth when he lived and when he had all that influence. 
living a lifestyle that clearly didn't work for him, so he ended his own life. But before he ended it, he wrote something sharing that maybe, not just maybe, but what he was sharing and what other people are trying to share, that you should look for answers somewhere else actually isn't the answer. It's not playful, it's not light, it's not harmful, it's not innocent. It's not a good thing to be telling the world or yourself, you can do anything you want. It's actually quite dangerous. In the Bible, in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 16, Paul <laughs> boils it down. You can read it later, Romans chapter 6, the whole chapter is good. Romans 6, verse 16 Paul says that basically there's two groups. He calls it righteousness and sin. You can call it God and Satan, good and bad, right and wrong. As you go through the scriptures, it carries different titles, but there's two groups. And as I've said here several times, and I'll keep saying, that when we don't want to hear and obey and appreciate Jesus, when we don't do that, relationships are broken, they're damaged, and they fall apart. Paul, he takes it to a whole nother level. He's very much more blunt in that, in that setting. He says, no, the end result is death. People die. Today, yesterday, last week, last month, last year, in two weeks from now, when people don't want to appreciate Jesus and act on Jesus, human beings die. They die. And it's sad, it's heartbreaking, it's angering, it's mind-blowing. It's just, it's insanity. People try so, some, some people try so hard to ignore, to silence, and to get rid of Jesus. And then they act like it's a great mystery why life and relationships are falling apart. It's not always that complicated. It's not that big of a mystery. It's not that much of a surprise. We can't get rid of Jesus and then wonder why the person who made relationships knows how to make them work. When we erase him from the equation, it's not a surprise why they're falling apart. It's not that surprising. And not everybody, but some, some, some scholars, they'll create these fancy words and these really poetic thoughts to ignore Jesus. And some Caucasian, some white people come up with their own brand of words, why they're comfortable, why it's okay to come up with an excuse to ignore Jesus. I'm about as much of a white person as you can get, probably 80% at least Norwegian, white parents, born and raised in America, married two kids, have a fence and even a pet. Being raised and born in this country, I, I how, how can I say this, I was just aware, it was very abundantly clear to me that as someone born and raised in this country, and now I have an education as well, big fancy master's degree, what people born and raised in this country, educated people, people with money, white people, what you're supposed to do is work really hard. 
and people who want to do that in this country, man, you work 100 hours a week, man, that's, that's good character. You work a lot. And guess what you do when you work 100 hours a week? You don't have time for Jesus or your family. But praise God, that's the American way, right? It's not biblical. God gave Adam and Eve, they said you should work even before sin. Working's good. Working's healthy for your mind and for your body. It's good. But there is such a thing that some white people in America, and they have more excuses than this, but this is one of the terrible excuses. You need to work a whole bunch. That's great for you. But it's possible some people work so much that some people's excuse why they ignore God and relationships get worse. Scholars have their excuses. White people have their excuses. Men have their excuses. Minorities have their excuses. Women have their excuses. Educated people have their excuses. Uneducated people have their excuses. People with authority, like former police officer Derek Chauvin, I'm sure he had his excuses. Atheists have their excuses. Agnostics have their excuses. Democrats, Republicans, the wealthy, the poor, and... I'll say it, even some church people that play, even some people that play church, who are faking Christianity, even they have some words and some phrases and some things that they'll do as an excuse to, to ignore Jesus. And in case I missed a group, it was only due to a lack of time in this time where people can get confused because of the violence or because of COVID-19, I want to be really clear. Finding an excuse to ignore Jesus can happen almost anywhere with almost anyone. And if you're not so sure, look in your scriptures, and it happened all over the place. It even happened with the number one most talented, most gifted most intelligent angel in heaven standing right next to God. The most dangerous person, the most dangerous created being is the person that thinks, I'm above it. I'm immune to it. I could never, I, that would never happen to me. It happened to a third of the angels who were perfect. Nonsense can happen anywhere as we, and it happens as we lose our grip on Jesus. It happens when we lose our grip on Jesus. And that's just the way it goes. When we have issues with God, we fight with the people around us, including ourselves. And the ones who have more and more comes in lots of different packages and sizes and shapes at different times and different places. People who have more end up on top, whether it's more money, more power, more authority, more titles, more influence, just simply more. That's just the way it works. Those who have more usually win. They even say in, in history, right, the winner writes history. It's not always the most accurate. It's just we won. We want to say what we want to say. That's not God's biblical plan. And I know that's not always American. But Christians are supposed to follow the Scriptures, not a country, though I'm happy to be born and raised here. And you might think, well, I'm not so sure about that. 
get into the scriptures. John the Baptist. Those who have two coats, share with someone who doesn't. Look in the Old Testament. Every, every so many years, God said, oh, I give back the land and do this and, and help each other out. And in the book of Acts, after the disciples finally got it, they finally understood after all those stumbling, offensive, uh, racist years, they finally started to get it. And you can look in the book of Acts. Anybody who had need, they shared with people. And no, don't send me emails and complaints. I'm not trying to promote communism. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, where Jesus was saying, help people. Help people. Care about people. It's not about giving 1% of some particular group the power in everything. And it doesn't matter what group it is, even if it's me. God's supposed to be in charge of everything. Not one particular group of human beings. It doesn't work well. It never has. It never has. It might sound tempting. It might sound tempting to people who are used to being hurt, who are used to being on the bottom. It might sound tempting to say, but it'd just be nice once if I was the one on top and, 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 and putting my knee on somebody else, maybe not literally on their throat, but figuratively. Just kind of, man, I'd like like to have that for once. It's not as good as it sounds, but don't take my words for it. According to African-American Christian minister Martin Luther King, that's not the answer. If you appreciate him, you like these words. If you don't appreciate him, that's okay because actually not so much his words. He's basically paraphrasing a couple Bible verses and putting them together, so it's actually a, 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 an interpretation of the Scripture. But this is what he says. It should be on the screen here. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. You can see it in Genesis. You can, Jesus talked about it in the, in the Gospels as well. Hate can't drive out hate. <coughs> Only love can do that. Back in Genesis... 22, Genesis 22, verse 5, Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there. <clears throat> when you have time later on today, I encourage you to read all of chapter 22 of Genesis, maybe even some of the stuff around. It's, a, it's an amazing little story, but you want to be sitting and put your seatbelt on. It's, I mean, talk about complex relationships that we have today. This is a complex story. I mean, this is, wow. <clears throat> so he's telling some of the, his employees to stay there while Abraham and Sarah, I mean, Abraham and Isaac, while we, God's telling him to go, it's complicated. Abraham is, is God's asking him <laughs> to go sacrifice his own son, kill his own son. And what's he, what's he doing in verse 5? Abraham and Isaac, he says, we will go worship. So there's violence in the streets. There's terrible stuff happening. P people are about to die, and, and he thinks it's a really good idea. We should go and worship. We will go worship, and we will return to you. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Father, and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, I see the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, quote, God will provide for himself 
the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood, bound his son, and laid him on the altar on, <coughs> on top of the wood. God is not naive. God is not dumb. God is not stupid. God created human beings. God knows that relationships are wonderfully complicated and rich in a good way. When sin gets introduced, it's chaos. Relationships, I mean, just really take a beating. That's why God told Adam and Eve, don't do it. That's why he tells me and you and you watching at home every day, all the time, through the Holy Spirit and what we call our conscience. Why he, that's why he tells us constantly, don't do that wrong thing. Don't do that. You're hurting yourself, including the people around you. Don't do it. Please listen to me. And so many people think they're living the high life, doing themselves a favor by ignoring God by trying to silence God and not listen to God and say, God's trying to take away my fun. I, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. And even atheist people are now slowly, once in a while, starting to admit, we might want to rethink that. You might want to rethink that. God's not the monster. Satan is. God's not a stinker. Satan is. <laughs> God's not trying to take away our fun. He's trying to keep you alive. He's trying to keep us alive. That's why he wants us to listen to him. It's better for relationships. And yet so many people, we want to do such an amazing job at ignoring God and then wonder why life is falling apart. Abraham and Isaac, talk about a complicated relationship dynamic. He's with his dad. His dad has fire and a knife, and he says, yeah, we're going to, you know, you're going to die in a few minutes. I mean, talk about sounding like a really bad Hollywood movie. His plan is to kill his son. <laughs> this isn't the, <coughs> the, the confused police officer trying to kill uh, supposedly a bad guy. This is a father trying to kill his own son. I mean, there's a lot of complex stuff happening in this chapter. <coughs> That's a complicated relationship there. For years, for decades, he was like 90 years old, something like that, when he finally had a kid. They're, pr they're trying, they're praying, they're begging. They're <laughs> Man, they wanted to have a kid. Now they have a kid, and now the plan is let's kill him? That's a little complicated. What, what did they do? They went to worship God. I mean, let's be real here. Abraham at this point was over 100 years old. Isaac wasn't five. Isaac was carrying the wood. Isaac could have been throwing the wood at him until it finally wounded his dad, then weakened his dad, then he could have killed his dad. They were on a mountain. They did this all the time in the Bible. He could have picked up rocks and thrown rocks at his dad until it finally killed his dad. There's a lot of ways he could have killed his dad. Knock him down, take the knife. He could have killed his dad in a lot of ways. At least he could have ran away. He didn't do any of those things. Why? Because they both... They both 
were trying to do their best, both of them were trying to do their best to hear and obey and appreciate and follow God. Hard, complex. They both had lots of reasons to say, no, this, this sounds a little off here. They both had lots of reasons to leave at any point, to get out, to say, I'm not feeling this. This, this is more than a little sideways. I don't know how much they trusted each other. We'll find out in heaven. Probably not a lot. I, I'm not, I, I think as a human, they probably didn't 100% trust each other. If the plan was, you're going to die. The son probably didn't 100% trust that. And as a father, and what he had to go through for all those years to finally get a son, I'm sure Abraham did, wasn't real comfortable in the moment himself. What did they do? They both did something very rare, very challenging. They both chose to trust God. If you look in the book of Hebrews, it says that God was believing and trusting, uh, uh, Abraham was trusting God that even if he had to bring him back to life and resurrect him, he didn't know. He just knew that what was best is he'd trust God. And this is where they're both at. Complicated relationship, challenging, messy. What do we do? Should we fight? Should we run? You know, what would they talk about today? Fight or flight? What should we do? And they both, let's trust God. And they both did something rare and beautiful and challenging and simple. They trusted God. And they walked together. They both lived. Neither of them got hurt. And it worked out because they did something so rare, so challenging, but so beautiful. They trusted God. If we don't accept the sacrifice of Jesus, our kids will keep being sacrificed. I'll say that again. If we don't accept the sacrifice of Jesus, sincerely with honest appreciation and let Jesus lead us. If we don't accept his sacrifice, human beings will continue to be sacrificed. It won't be my kid tomorrow, probably won't be yours, but somewhere, somehow, we'll all continue to be getting hurt. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. Some police officer, the statistics are really well no matter who you are, <coughs> all of us won't have a police officer on our neck tomorrow. But if we keep ignoring Jesus, everyone, rich, poor, black, white, male, female, American, other country, Christian, Muslim, I don't care what cute category you want to put yourself in, better than this, worse than that, if we keep ignoring Jesus, we all will suffer somehow, some way, at some point. That is not a good plan for any sensible thinking human being. And it's certainly not the plan for Christians. God does not want us to do that. God wants us to accept Jesus' sacrifice. That's why he stopped them. And he says, pointing ahead. Why don't you accept my sacrifice? Jesus will do this. 
The Father and the Son will do this. You don't have to keep hurting yourselves anymore. But it only works when we accept and appreciate and follow Jesus. If we don't, we go through life confused, angry at God, but taking it out on the people around us, including ourselves. Adam and Eve, I mean, what can you say? They did something so strange. It sounds like a low-grade Hollywood movie. They're looking at a tree for answers instead of God. God who can just say a few words in every drop of water you've ever touched, drank, or seen, or heard drop in a raindrop. He created in a day by just saying, let's have some water over here. And they thought they would talk to a tree and get answers from a tree. It's so embarrassing, it's so awkward, it's so strange, it's such a haunting reminder of what happens when human beings look to something other than Jesus for an answer. It's not the plan. My question today is, what are you looking to for answers? We can blame people like Adam and Eve that they look to trees But we can all have our own weaknesses and looking to the wrong foolish thing and be a little bit confused in our mind and justify why it's okay. But it's never okay to ignore God. We hurt ourselves and the people around us. Abraham and Isaac did the same thing. They, 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 Abraham and Isaac did something that sounds so strange too. What father after 90 years of <laughs> his whole life was trying to get a child and then he got it and the plan was to kill it. Talk about strange. But they got through it because they both were trusting God. They both were trusting God. They both stayed alive. It worked out for both of them. And they had unity. Abraham, in Genesis 22, 8, Abraham says, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them walked on together. My hope and my prayer and my encouragement to you today is, I hope that you look to God for the answers. And I hope that you're doing your honest, sincere best to seek unity with the people that are around you. And I hope and I pray that with the people around you that you actually are helpful, kind, and nice. Let's pray. Father in heaven, <clears throat> it's a shame that so many human beings are upset with you. We pray that you'd forgive us for that. We pray that you would help us to be more open and honest with you, like David, what is in the Psalms, when we're happy, rejoice, when we're upset, to admit it, but not leave and not go and not run away, but actually listen and let you walk us through the scenario so we're not angry at you and we see things the way they really are. And help us, Lord, to not only not be upset with you, help us not to take it out on the people around us. That never helps. 
but I realize as, as an adult that these words are almost kind of useless and meaningless because words are just words. And that human beings aren't very good at these things. So I pray that you, Jesus, would be, continue to put the Holy Spirit in our brains so that we would have your thoughts, your desires, your abilities so that we could do these things because we're not very good at it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.